Good morning. Okay, so sorry, I'm having trouble getting this thing adjusted this morning. This is kind of a new um, microphone deal, and uh, yeah, I'm still trying to get comfortable with that. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I am on staff here at the Denton North Church with Brad. And I just want to welcome you this morning. You cannot imagine how glad we are that you came this morning. Um, Brad said he's really bad with dates. I'm pretty good with dates, so I'll go back and give you a little better timeline. But four years ago, we started meeting here in Denton once a month. And so a lot of us were living in the Wiley, Plano, Garland area, and we came up to Denton. We actually met on campus one time a month, and that was in 2013. In 2014, several of us moved to Denton over the summer, and so we started meeting here at the MLK every Sunday um, from that point on. And so this church, like Brad said, was established for you guys, for students that are in college, but it was also established to give people a place to stay and plug in after they graduated if they wanted to. And so while when you look around, you may see a lot of college students, we have at least 50 of us that are not college students, that are either older or have graduated and are now working and staying in the area. And so that's just something I'll plant right up front for you to think about, particularly if you're getting close to graduating is that this is a place that you can stay and plug into ministry, and we would love it if you felt like God was calling you to do that. Um, so we are super happy to have you here this morning. Brad mentioned that we're talking about kind of what our church is about, and in particular, one of our values of one-on-one -on -one ministry. So our mission statement is that we want to make and mature disciples to the glory of God, and that comes out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And then one of our values and one of the axioms that we use is one-on-one -on -one is how it's done. And so we're going to talk about that for a little bit this morning, but I wanted to kind of go through with you what is the purpose of this sermon this morning. We knew that we would have quite a few college students that were visiting for the first time, and trying to make decisions about what church community they might want to plug into here in Denton. And so we wanted to give you a way to evaluate that. We wanted you to know what's important to us as a church and what we're about here. And so that's one of the things that we're doing here is helping you evaluate, is this the church that God has called you to be a part of while you're here in Denton? If you have any questions after the sermon this morning, if you have any needs, feel free to come and talk to me or Brad or one of the other adults that you see, and we'll be happy to sit down and talk with you, to spend one-on-one -on -one time with you, to answer any questions that you might have to help you in that process of finding a church home. Secondly, this is a reminder for our members. It's a reminder of what we believe God has called us to do. And I just want to say to you as leaders in the church community that we're really proud of the work that the members of our church do in doing one-on-one -on -one ministry. Um, and I couldn't say it any better than Paul said it, and so I'm just going to read it to you. But every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. 
Each exclamation is a trigger to pray, and we pray over you. We have prayed over the guests that are here this morning. We have prayed over the college students that are coming to UNT, to TWU, to NCTC. We have prayed over the members that God will bring to this church community. We have prayed over you. And I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I am so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. See, we're proud of you. The sermon this morning is not about what a bad job we're doing um, or anything like that. The sermon this morning is a reminder for us. And number three, it's also to challenge us to keep growing. We cannot get complacent in sharing the gospel with people. And there are always ways we can grow in doing that. I can't tell you specifically for you what those ways are, but guess what? The Holy Spirit can. And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to work through the sermon this morning to help you figure out the areas that you can do a better job with this. And then finally, the purpose of the sermon this morning is to encourage you not to give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so while it can be exhausting at times, and I know some of you are exhausted this morning from all the Welcome Week activities and all the things that are going on on campus, from working a 40-hour week, there are a lot of reasons why we might be exhausted this morning. But don't give up. A harvest is coming if we continue to do what God has called us to do. Um, also, Philippians 1.9 and 4.1 says this, So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much but well. My dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy, fill me with such pride. But don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. And so that's the purpose of the time that we're going to spend talking this morning about one-on-one -on -one ministry. And so one-on-one -on -one is how it's done. Why? Why is that how it's done? In Matthew 5, when Jesus is talking about letting our light shine, he says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. See, he calls us to be generous with our lives. He calls us to be generous in our relationships with other people. Brad said last week that Jesus carries on the ministry he had here through his spirit that's in us. The spirit draws people one-on-one. -on -one. It communicates the dignity of each person. One-on-one -on -one is how it's done because what, that's what Jesus did. And it's what he calls us to do. And see, if we look at Jesus' relationships throughout the Bible, we see that that's what he did. 
in the calling of the disciples, he called each of them by name. He didn't call like some just big disciple group. He called Matthew. He called Peter. He called each of them by name. And then we see that he was in a lot of their homes. He went to their homes and he interacted with them personally and he found out their personal needs and he did very personal things in their lives. We see it in the woman that was bleeding, that touched the hem of his robe and was healed. He did not let her remain anonymous. He called her out, not because he was angry or upset with her. He called her out because he recognized her, because she was important. We see it in the woman at the well. He gave dignity to the woman at the well by talking to a woman that social constructs has said was inappropriate for him to talk to. But he did it anyway because he valued her. And he was able to speak directly to what was going on in her life. He didn't have to deliver some general message to her, but he was able to specifically hone in on the sin and on the issues that she had in her life. We see it in blind Bartimaeus. We see it in Zacchaeus. We see it in Thomas and Peter and how Jesus directly addressed Thomas's doubt and how he directly addressed Peter's denial of him. We see it in Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the way that Jesus spent time with them. He knew what was going on in their lives. He served them. He interacted with them. See, Jesus knew people as people. He knew their story. He knew their need. And he knew their true need, but he also knew their immediate need. So he knew their physical needs and he knew their spiritual needs. He met them where they were and he let them into his life and let them know him. And that's what he calls us to do as well. So just a couple of points about one-on-one ministry. The first one is, and this might sound a little interesting to you as the first point under this but the first one is that awkward is okay (laughs) awkward is okay okay what is going on here thank you (laughs) help me Want it down again now. Okay. Yes. Awkward is okay. Yes. Awkward is okay. Yeah. See? Awkward is okay. Oh Perfectly God. comfortable with awkward. That would bother me if I could see it a little bit. Yes. Thank you. Sorry about that. See, I'm afraid I'll break it. You just I, it's, it's just it. like metal, so you can actually bend it pretty well. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So when I say awkward is okay, let me kind of tell you what I mean by awkward. Um, What I mean by awkward is that sometimes things are awkward because we, um, we are different from someone else. And so that might cause awkward conversations. Sometimes we just have awkward interactions with people. We don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and it's just awkward. Sometimes awkward is being uncomfortable. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes awkward is being with someone 
that is socially awkward themselves. Sometimes being awkward is us being socially awkward ourselves. Okay, so I'm kind of covering a lot of different things with the word awkward. So why are we afraid to make friends, to have relationships with people who are different from us? It's because we're afraid of those awkward conversations, those awkward silences, not knowing what to do, trying something new that many times we think we won't like to do, having to think through things from a different point of view, and sometimes just having to think, period, (laughs) having our beliefs challenged, and the list goes on and on. And so we stick to making friendships with people that are like us, people that believe the same thing we do, people that like to do the same things that we like to do, because it's comfortable and because we don't want to feel awkward. But guess what? All of us are awkward. We just are. We can't avoid it. It's not a bad thing, so embrace it. Jesus was not afraid of awkward. Look at the friends that he surrounded himself with. And in particular, let's look at Peter. Some scholars say that the apostle Peter was skinny, pale, eyebrowless, which is interesting to me, and prone to bouts of weeping. Okay, those are some, like, conjecture about Peter, but what we know for sure is that he was a fisherman by trade, and so he probably didn't smell very good. What we do know that we've seen from what was written about him in the Gospels and in other places in the Bible is that he was impulsive, that he didn't say things the right way, and that as a matter of fact, a lot of times he said the wrong thing. His middle name was awkward. But Jesus chose him. Jesus chose him to be his apostle and to be his friend. He didn't avoid awkwardness. And Jesus told us if all we do is love people that are like us, We've done nothing special. He challenges us not to enter relationships for what we can get or how comfortable we can be, but for what we can give. That's how Jesus went into relationship, and it's how he calls us into relationship. I want to give you an example from my own life Heather Everett is my good friend, and I won't point her out because she doesn't like attention on herself, and for me to do that would be, well, awkward. We could not be more different. From our growing up years, to the things we like to do, to the way we've raised our kids, to some of our beliefs, to the way we relate to God, we are different. Honestly, the fact that our paths ever crossed is an amazing thing to me because we wouldn't hang out with the same circles, we wouldn't do the same types of activities, and so the fact that we ever even met is amazing. But she was at Denton North Church the very first Sunday we met in Denton on campus when we were meeting here once a month. That's how she and I met. And we started off not knowing each other at all. We began by meeting together once a month because I still lived in Wiley. And so I came here once a month, once every three weeks, and Heather and I would meet up. 
Now, one of the things that I want you to know is that I'm not saying here that Heather is awkward. What I am saying is that our friendship started out pretty awkward and still sometimes can be pretty awkward. We've had a lot of awkward conversations and we've had a lot of silences. There are many times that I didn't know what to say to her and I had no idea how to be her friend and vice versa. There were times that after we spent time together, I was pretty sure she would never call me again. I would never hear from her again, and I'm sure she thought the same. But guys, there's no one that I have ever spent time with and built a friendship with that has been more consistent in showing up than Heather has. In the last four years of us getting together, it is rare that she has missed or rescheduled. She's always been there. And there are few people that have challenged my thinking about God like Heather has. There are few people that have challenged my idea of what friendship is like Heather has. Our friendship did not grow out of how much fun we had together, how alike we are, or our agreement on much of anything. Our friendship grew because we both decided to take a risk on awkward. We both decided to give the Holy Spirit a chance to work and build a friendship in spite of our differences. And it has grown both of us in our relationship with God. I would not know Heather if we had not spent one-on-one time together. We could have come here to church together for the last four years, and I would not know her any better today than I did the first day we met, because she's that kind of a person. I would think that everything was great and fine and good with her because that's the kind of face that she'll put on, and if I hadn't spent one-on-one time with her, I wouldn't know her. But I would think I did, but I wouldn't know her. And it has been so worth it. But one thing I want you to hear right now is that Heather was not my project. If she had been my project, I would have dropped out after about the first couple of months. I wouldn't have kept doing it. It was too uncomfortable. Jesus did not make projects of people. One-on-one ministry is not about making a project. It's about loving a person getting to know them, seeing what their needs are, and pointing them to Jesus. That's what one-on-one ministry is about. And if we intend to make our mission and our value one-on-one is how it's done, then we have to embrace that awkward is okay and maybe even good. Okay, second point. The small things are the big things. Many times we fail to establish one-on-one relationships because we don't think we know enough, we're not outgoing enough, we're not talented enough, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, whatever it is, we're not enough. An Australian poet named Bo Taplin said, whoever said the small things don't matter has never seen a match start a wildfire. See, the small things matter. Kind words. Hi, I'm glad you're here. It's nice to meet you. 
It's nice to see you here. A smile. When someone walks into the room, a smile. When you pass them on campus, a smile. When you go down the hall with a coworker, a smile. A cup of coffee. Whether it's a cup of coffee you buy them at Starbucks or a cup of coffee you make them. A prayer. Praying for a person, praying with a person, praying over a person. A scripture that encourages or challenges at just the right time. A question to let them know that you seek to understand, you want to know them more. A question to make them think outside the box. Getting someone to laugh and laughing with them. Showing up when you don't know what to say. Just being present. A listening ear. People are looking for someone to validate them by listening with no other agenda than to listen. An honest compliment, a caring touch, inviting them into your home and into your life in a very real way, risking letting them see the real you, studying the Bible with them, All of those are small things, and they're things that we let Satan convince us don't matter, and so we don't do them because they're not the big deals. But Jesus took five loaves and two small fish and fed 5,000 people. See, he took the small thing and he made it into something great, and the Holy Spirit will take our small things and start a wildfire with it. Mother Teresa said, if each of us would only sweep our own doorstep, the whole world would be clean. (coughs) Little things, small things. If each of us did our small things, it would be a big thing because the Holy Spirit uses it. I've asked Vianette to come and share about a one-on-one relationship in her life and how the small things really are the big things. And so I'm going to ask her to come up and do that right now. You can maneuver that however you want to. It's really tall. I'm just going to read because I, I've been, my first line is, I've really been dreading coming up here all week. <laughs> um, so, I struggle a lot with social anxiety, so speaking today is completely out of my comfort zone. But as I began thinking about what I wanted to share today, I realized that since I became a Christian, God has constantly asked me to do things that make me uncomfortable. Today it's speaking in front of our church, and six years ago it was meeting one-on-one with Daniel Graves to do a Bible study. Because of my social anxiety, I struggle with building relationships. I often feel sure what to say to someone and question what I do say. It's gotten better, but six years ago I for sure was not in a place to pursue any type of relationship, much less a spiritual friendship. Thankfully, Daniel was. She consistently wanted to hang out with me, even when we weren't studying the Bible. I learned a lot about God by meeting with her, but I learned a lot more about God's character from the friendship we built. She not only met with me once a week to do our study, she would also ask me to tag along as she ran errands, hung out with her roommates, or search for the best taco place in Denton. Danielle built our friendship by involving herself in my life and involving me in hers. She helped me feel less alone in a time when I didn't have any friends. She's doing ministry in Bolivia now, so we don't get to show the little things anymore. But we built a foundation where we can continue to be a part of the big things in each other's lives, even though we're a few countries apart. 
It's taken me a long time, but I think I'm finally in a place where I can be the person who pursues meaningful friendships with others. And I've learned that doing so means I have to share both the big things and the little things in one another's lives. I know college ministry is fun, busy, and stressful all at the same time. And it can be easy to check meeting with someone off our to-do list, and it's easier to ministry as learning about the other person's spiritual life without sharing day-to-day -day life with one another. And it's easy to forget to call once the school year is over. I say that because I've done all of those things before. However, I'm trying to be better about building friendships like the one Daniel built with me. This last piece is, I'm studying to be a counselor, and in learning to be a counselor, I've, I really think there are a lot of parallels with the counseling relationship with how God intended us to love one another. So in my counseling program, I recently helped a doctoral student with a dissertation on whether Spanish-speaking children benefit from play therapy from an English-speaking therapist or whether they need play therapy in Spanish. So just really quickly in play therapy, children, they're not able to um, communicate their emotions verbally very well. So even when the therapist and the child speak the same language, their relationship is built through a lot of um, little things, through play, and just a lot of nonverbal behavior. So this researcher found that even when the therapist only spoke English and the child only spoke Spanish, their relationship was enough to build the healing. So even when they couldn't communicate verbally, just the little things were enough to heal a child. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how ministry should be. Even when people are different, it's difficult to communicate, and one ones are awkward, the spirit comes the little things to build meaningful friendships that draw people closer to God. Vianette, thank you so much for sharing that. And so I hope that you hear that the little things that Danielle did in Vianette's life led to the big things. Not because Danielle is some awesome person, not because Vianette is some awesome person, but because God is an awesome God. And he created that and was able to work through those small things to make big things happen. So the third point, and I may have cheated a little bit here, so I've had a really hard time deciding what my third point was. And so it's possible that there might be, oh, I don't know, three or four points in the third point. <laughs> but we'll see what happens with it. So this is what I came up with, and we'll see where it goes. It's not about me or my goodness, but it's about the power of the Spirit and His goodness. And so Romans 15, 1 through 4 is a passage that God's been using a lot with me about um, really reaching out to a person and loving a person and pointing that person to Jesus. And this is what it says. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way scripture put it. Even if it was written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. And I think one of the things that sticks out to me about this verse is the how can I help? Because so many times, so many times, I'm not sure I really want to help. And I think it's out of selfishness. I think I don't want to give what I'm going to have to give to be able to help or I'm not going to know how to help. But our Jesus waded in 
and helped. And if I'm going to be a follower of his, I'm going to have to wade in and help. One-on-one ministry is not about me, and it's not about anything I do. It's about how the Spirit draws people on a personal level. We aren't good enough to change anybody. We're not good enough to solve all their problems. That's not what we're called to do, and we will never be able to do that. But the Spirit can do that. And we need to trust that he can work through our obedience to God. He can work through our weaknesses. He can convict us. He can change us. He can transform us. And many times, he will use other people to do that. And many times, he will use us to do that for other people, as incredible and unbelievable as that sounds. But only if it's about him and not about me. And see, one of the reasons that I love that passage is because that is the Holy Spirit convicting me. That was the Holy Spirit's answer to my sin and to my not wanting to do what God had called me to do. It's very personal to me. So we have a teen camp in Colorado every summer. Um, It's in Divide, Colorado. It's up high. It's cool. It's so nice there. And we took 170 people there um, this summer. And so we take about as many adults um, as there are for every two teenagers. So it's about a one-on-two ratio. And I told God before we went to camp, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll lay it all on the line for you. And he called me on that the first night I was there, and I failed miserably. Failed miserably. And so he convicted me that night, and he used that passage from Romans to do it. But also during the week, we had an activity where we asked the teens to write on a card what they wanted to lay at the altar. And we played a song, and they came and laid those cards at the altar. And we picked all those cards up, and a group of about six of us prayed over every one of those cards. And as we were praying, the strangest thing happened. Some of those cards were so exciting. They were teens that were open to God and wanted to hear more about him and wanted to do great things in the kingdom And they were very exciting. Some of those cards were heartbreaking. They were were teens that were entangled in sin and didn't know how to get out and were crying out to God for help. And as we prayed over those, the thought that came to my mind was, number one, repentance for not being willing to do whatever it took. And the second one was this phrase that I heard in the movie Schindler's List of one more. God, let us save one more. Let us point one more to you. Let one more have healing and find salvation in you. And I want to show you this clip from Schindler's List because I think it's a really powerful um, representation of what that is. So, Tong, if you'll go ahead and show that. Thank you. 
try this out. <coughs> Can we get sound or no? Oh. It's coming out a lot of time. Yeah, it's under that time. Oh. We can try and mic it. <laughs> we can try that, but if it won't work, we'll just go without it. Without the clip? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess this mic is uh, glued in, or what's up? <laughs>
So if you've never watched the movie Schindler's List, you need to. Um, but it is not a movie that you're going to say, oh, I want to relax and watch a good movie. It's a tough movie to watch. But Schindler was an ethnic German with a Czech citizenship. I want you to listen to this. He worked for the Office of the Military Foreign Intelligence of the German Armed Forces. He was a member of the Nazi party. And he was an opportunistic businessman with a taste for the finer things in life. He was an unlikely candidate to become a wartime rescuer. But during World War II, he rescued more than 1,000 Jews from deportation to Auschwitz. He made a list of their names, that's the name Schindler's List, and he bought each one of them to keep them from going to Auschwitz. And this clip is them, is a lot of them at the end. A lot of those people surrounding him are the Jews that he has saved. And he's saying, why did I keep this car? I could have sold this car and I could have bought 10 more lives. Why did I keep this pen? They would have given me two more people for this pen, at least one, at least one. I could have gotten one more. And when we were praying over each of those cards, and they were so real, they each represented a person. It was so real to me. God, let us save one more. Not by what we do, but what by your power does. But let us be willing to give up whatever it takes. And see, that's the power of one-on-one ministry. People are real to you. It's not some nice idea out there. It's real people with real needs and real people that need Jesus. And we have the ability to show him to them. Whether it's just by how we love them, maybe they're never going to be interested in knowing more about him. But we get to love them like he loves them. Maybe they do want to know more and we get to study the Bible with them. But we get to point them to Jesus. We get to help one more come to know him. And so that's the power of one-on-one ministry. It's why we believe one-on-one is how it's done. Because it's the way Jesus did ministry. And the way he calls us to do ministry. As we move into communion, I kind of want to continue this same thought. I wanted to show the clip from Schindler's List where they're typing up the names because it's pages and pages of names of people that are going to be saved from Auschwitz. And I can't help but think of that and have a picture of what my Jesus did for me. And that he has pages and pages of names and my name is on there. And who else's name? can be on there as well if I just show them Jesus' love. So the scripture I want to reference is 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. And this is from the NLT. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And as we get ready to take communion together... That's something I would encourage you to think about, is he gave his life to purchase freedom for me, for you, for everyone. 
and how grateful I am for that. And so if you've never taken communion with us here at Denton North, um, as we think about that thought, like celebration wells up inside of us for what Jesus has done for us. And so when we take communion, it's a celebration. And so it's not always quiet and solemn. You definitely need to have quiet and solemn time throughout the week where you're remembering Jesus and thinking about him. And we're definitely thinking about him as we celebrate. But today we're going to celebrate because we're together and we can do this together. So what we do is we have a cup that has the juice in it. We have bread and you'll dip the bread into the cup. And because there are so many of us, I'm going to dismiss us at just a section at a time, maybe part of a section at a time. So you can go and do that. And then as soon as you take communion, if you'll come back to your seat, then we're going to sing a few songs and be done. But I'm going to pray before we we do that. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you care about us as individuals. I thank you that you care about us as a church. I thank you that uh, Jesus gave his life to purchase each and every one of us. And God, I pray that we'll be able to minister to people one-on-one, to give dignity to those people like Jesus did, to bring life to those people like Jesus did by letting the Holy Spirit work through us and by letting Jesus come in and do his work of salvation. Um, God, we just love you a lot, and we are honored that we get to meet together today. We are honored that we get to worship you and that we get to be called your children. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.